Welcome one and all to Devil Horns. My name is Corey. I'm one of your hosts. And uh, this is going to be an interesting week. Uh, Mike Zombie is not uh, able to join us tonight. Uh, we miss him dearly. But New Jersey Nick is by my side. Nick, welcome, sir. Good evening, Corey. Hello, everyone. Oh, it's uh, it's really exciting. Uh, a lot of things going on. Now, this is, this is sort of going to be a uh, just sort of a news and things going on in the metal world kind of show here uh, because we were going to talk about Dio and I think I just put up something on our Facebook feed like last week I'm like next up is Dio so let us know what you think and uh, unfortunately that's not going to be this episode um, but we want to make sure that we do that episode justice that we really dig into Dio and do it right and so we need Mike Zombie here for that um, and uh, so we're going to put that off a little bit but that's all right um, because there's so many things going on. Uh, first of all, we just came off of Halloween, and Nick, I hope you had a great Halloween. Um, not uh, not sure what your festivities involved, but uh, well, did you have fun? My, my, yeah, Halloween is actually. Um, my wife and I were married on Halloween, so it's our anniversary. Oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome, yep. man! Congratulations. So we actually went out to dinner. We have um, this weird experience where, like, every year we'll go out to a nice restaurant and like. There will we'll always be dressed nice because it's our anniversary, but everybody around us will always be dressed for Halloween. <laughs> and it's like the one time in the world that me and my wife are the normal people and everybody else is fucking crazy. <laughs> really wonderful. Uh, this will be the last year that we really have a nice dinner on Halloween, though, because now we've got a little boy. And by next year, he will be, um, you know, he will be uh, old enough to take someplace or do something with. He's... um. This year, he just stayed home with Grandma and Grandpa in his Batman suit. <laughs> so next okay. year, he will be old enough to maybe take to a trunk or treat or something. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, this was the first year for my boy, too, that he was aware enough, you know, and able to understand uh, mm -hmm. to do some things on Halloween. And so uh, if you would have asked him uh, leading up to Halloween, uh, you asked him what he wanted to be. And he always said he wanted to be a zombie, which made his dad so proud. You know, because I, I never told him to say that, but he he just he, he loves zombies and especially that sprint commercial that uh, where the zombie comes up. I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, the zombie comes up and the whole uh, sort of thing that they're doing is uh, sprint offers, you know, for life, you know, for your entire lifetime, you get this deal or something. So a zombie comes in and he's like, well, what if you're technically dead? You know, and, and so that's the whole thing. So there's this zombie in this commercial and my my son just loves it. And mm -hmm. um, he has this little, I, I got him a little remote control zombie and everything. And so he asked him, you know, <laughs> coming up to Halloween, what do you want to be? I want to be a zombie. I want to be a zombie. But of course, you know, he's still two. And my wife vetoed that. She's like, Corey, you're not putting blood and, and stuff on our little two-year-old so he can go around being a zombie. <laughs> so she took him to the costume shop and he was a tiger, which was cool, you know. And uh, Right. Um, but... Uh, you know, as time goes on, I think my case is going to be stronger and stronger uh, for the for the zombie. So eventually it'll happen. But yeah, no, I, as a horror loving and metal loving father, I know that I hope that my son at least will like some of that shit, too, so that we can have something to bond over. 
uh, you know, the wonderful dark arts, you know, (laughs) and uh, I really hope so. Yeah. So, but it was funny. It was uh, actually the weather on Halloween was terrible here. It was windy. It was raining. And of course that was trick or treating night. And so we, we went out and I, I took them and I had this umbrella and stuff, but you know, about three houses into it, we were both soaked it was just miserable. My wife stayed back at our house so she could hand out, you know, um, candy to the trick-or-treaters coming to our door. And we were going to switch off halfway through and she was going to take them for a while. And he lasted for maybe, you know, a dozen houses. And he's like, Daddy, pick me up. I want to go home. Mm-hmm. And so I had to carry him the whole way back, you know, and he only got about, ha- you know, half his thing full of candy. And every- and it was just it was pretty bad. The umbrella got demolished because the gusts of wind were just that terrible, you know. So it was mm-hmm. eh, it was just one of those nights. But, you know, it was still cool nonetheless. It was Halloween. We had fun and you know, it was it, like I said, it was my first like real Halloween with my son where he was uh aware of things and could actually uh go out there and have fun and say trick or treat and say thank you and everything. So it was mm-hmm. it was cool. But uh yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of fun, but um Man, a lot of things going on in the metal world, and that's why you know I, we just messaged, and I'm just like, let's we got to do a, sort of a random episode here because there's so much going on, um, and we just need to do this every once in a while, man, because a lot of drama, a lot of happenings, and uh, so um, I don't know. Um, do you want me to uh, sort of bring up what I had, or do you got something? Um... Yes, please. You go first. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, you know, uh, I'm always critical of like big music and the, the industry in general. And, uh, I, there's just something about it that irks me. And it was sort of fed in the past few weeks, actually, by a lot of news. Uh, a lot of bands seem to be breaking up and this isn't, this isn't limited to metal. And I'm sure a lot of, uh, other genres, bands and other genres are experiencing this as well. But, uh, it seems like there are so many, you know, big metal festivals that, just go around all the time and it's it's really um uh you know it just seems like the the metal community is being hit really hard with this but you know within the past like uh i don't know month or so we've seen a lot of bands start breaking up uh people leaving bands for reasons like um and a, a lot of these are more independent bands but um some of them i think were on metal blade actually but there was like the chariot they broke up god forbid uh, broke up because members yeah, just started, le- you know, it's just sort of leaving uh, for various reasons. Um, but then here, it was the beginning of October, I believe. Um, the guitarist and one of the main songwriters for a, a Swedish death metal band uh, called Eon, uh, his name is Daniel Delimi, uh, he left the band and uh, he, he posted on Facebook exactly why he left the band. Um, I'm not sure whether Eon is breaking up or they're going to find somebody else, but, uh, um, I'm sort of, uh, I don't know, pessimistic about where that band's going because he was such an important part of that. Um, and then, uh, we just, uh, uh, we just saw another band bleeding through say that they're calling it quits and their vocalist wrote actually a long Facebook rant. Uh, he was actually pretty upset with, uh, with the music industry and sort of what up-and-coming bands are being subjected to in their eyes um, and what they're expected to do uh, while they're on these big tours and they're out on the road. Um, So first of all, uh, what the Eon guitarist said is uh, that basically he's being forced to leave the band 
for financial reasons because every tour that they go out on, and they've released several albums, they've been out on tours. I forget how many tours he said they've done just this year, like four, five, six tours already. Um, and of course, they're not headliners yet. They're up and comers. Um, but they have a pretty well-established fan base, a great following. And uh, if you've listened to Eon at all, they're one of the most technically proficient death metal bands. Really, really great. Um, and uh, somebody that uh, I, I'd hoped would have you know, stuck around for a while because, uh, you know, I think, um, what's his name? Alex, uh, 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 Alex Webster from Cannibal Corpse um, said that actually they're one of the most exciting death metal bands out there because they have something that a lot of other death metal bands don't have. Um, so, uh, yeah, he was saying basically, you know, bands, if you're not headlining a tour, you're not one of like the top bands, uh, in one of these big tours, then you're basically expected to make no money and actually lose money after expenses are deducted and everything. You're actually mm -hmm. losing money. Um, and these main or these, uh, these sort of, um, uh, smaller bands that are on these tours, of course, these members also have day jobs. So not only are they paying money, essentially, to be on this tour and play for you, um, but they have to take time off from their day jobs. So they're, they have nothing coming in during that whole time period. It's, a, it, you know, they got to take off like their entire summers mm -hmm. to do this. And oh, yeah. so, uh, so he's just like, I can't do this anymore. He's like, I got to pay my bills. And so I got to split. Um, that he, was um, that was an issue with Ozfest going back almost ten years ago. I remember, um, you know, you know that second stage and third stage. It cost a band a hundred thousand dollars to be added to the bill. You know, wow. And some of those bands obviously were having the record companies. You know, they were spending the hundred thousand dollars to add them to second stage. Um, but the other bands were like, yeah, doing exactly what you're saying, taking out second and third jobs, mortgaging their homes to go and play at Ozfest. And uh, I remember Sharon Osbourne in an interview was saying, well, you know, if they really believe and care about their band, they're going to find a way to put the money up to be on the ticket. Wow. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And then, and then they would tour and not make any money. They would, they would get an allowance given to them from the Oz, Ozfest promoters and stuff. Wow, hmm. it's it's a shame, uh, because like I said, Eon, man, really, really an exciting band. Go on Spotify. Eon has like four or five albums up on Spotify, and believe me, man, they are just amazing. I mean, they they could have played right up alongside of like Cannibal Corpse or something like that. That actually, they gave me a real, real. Um, strong cannibal corpse feel to them. Um, they're just that good. But uh, it's just a shame, man, that um, this talent is essentially wasted. Um, and uh, the latest news story that just uh, happened here in the last week was, uh, like I said, the vocalist for Bleeding Through. Um, he said, after this last tour, we're calling it quits because, frankly, it's the same kind of thing with them. They're making nothing on the road. And Bleeding Through, actually, um, they are uh, more, almost more of a mainstream sort of metal thing. I mean, they're, they're pretty heavy sort of. and everything, but they're more accessible, I would say, than uh, mm -hmm. like Eon. Eon's more of a, you know, a, a subgenre, uh, more of a niche uh, sort of metal thing than, uh, than Bleeding Through. But mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, it's just a real shame that, uh, you know, he put on a Facebook rant, really ripping up the music industry and um, just saying, you know, not only are they not making any money, but while you're on the road, you know, they're they're sleeping in bathrooms. 
they're like the, the conditions that you have to put up with are just ridiculous. Um, but everybody sees you as rock stars because you're up there on that stage or you step mm-hmm. off of a big tour bus and all of a sudden you're just like you're, you're gods. And um, people view these these artists as, um, wow, they're big rock stars. They have all kinds of money. They can do whatever they want and everything. And and uh, I think, you know, it's these kind of things that I think are giving us fans a real reality check as to uh, what they're actually dealing with and that, you know, a very small, small percentage of uh, performers in these bands do actually have a lot of money at their disposal to work with. And it's, oh, absolutely. it's not very many. A lot of these guys, it's just, it's such a shame. Um, and I don't know if you read that post by, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Brandon uh, Shapati, I think is his name. Um, and, no, uh, no, I hadn't read the uh, post, but definitely, um, I mean, you know, there are some bands that are really making money doing what they do, but there are some bands that like during the day, yeah, they're studio musicians or, or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I can't even imagine how people do make money <laughs> playing music. And a lot of the problem is um, the music industry itself. Now, the music, when I say the music industry, I'm not one of those people who's like, music is dead, it's never coming back, blah, blah, blah. I actually see it like very differently. I think that the the record companies that still exist pretty much exist to rip people off as best they can. Yes. You know? Yeah. And the best way to distribute music is to just distribute it yourself and get people to pay for it on their site. I mean, bands like Nine Inch Nails and Radiohead have had the most, you know, their most um, financially successful albums when they put it out on their own site with a pay-what-you-want model. You know? Or they've given it away for a certain amount of time. You know, both Radiohead and Nails mm-hmm. both did that. They put albums out for free. And they're like, mm-hmm. here, download this. Here you right. go. And if you like it, you know, here you can contribute. And they did that for a certain amount of time. And then after maybe a few weeks or a month or whatever, they put it up for, you know, to buy. Then you had to pay for it. But, uh, you know, again, that's that's a really cool model. And, and, and of course, you know, for, for decades now, basically, we've been seeing the industry going through these these really i think painful changes <laughs> you know uh just being that we're in the age of downloads and streaming and and uh digital delivery and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the a lot of the dinosaurs in the industry are are just they're clinging to this old model however they can <laughs> yeah because i mean let, let's see like kirk hammett in he was <sighs> in the news last week um because he had said uh, that the music industry is dead because social media and iTunes killed it. And it's like, dude, you are an out-of-touch fucknut. Like, dude, what the fuck, man? You know, these type of things, the people using social media and iTunes and YouTube, Spotify, Pandora, I've discovered more no-name, never-heard-of-them-before bands than ever before because of this stuff. Yes. You know? I agree. Uh, I, agree. I, I mean, especially Spotify and Pandora are both wonderful at what they do. Um, I, I've heard uh, so many bands that, like, I probably, you know, bands that really go below the surface. A man like, uh, you know, just to take one as an example, that, like, became one of my favorite bands is Agalock. Mm-hmm. Um, Agalock is uh, a little-known, folky, sort of proggy, sort of death metal band from, like, Oregon. And they don't have that many fans. They don't have that many uh, you know, they're, they're, I don't even think I've ever seen them on tour in my part of the country uh, that I know of. And, dude, they're awesome. 
I never would have had their CDs, heard their music or anything if it wasn't for these advances. I, I don't really give a fuck if anybody's ever as big as Metallica or Slayer again, you know? Yeah. I want the people with the good music to get out there to the f- people who want to hear it. I agree completely, um, and that's where I was going next with this. Actually, I have, I have Kirk Hammett's quote pasted on my screen right now to bring up <laughs> because this is the kind of thing that pisses me off, and it's like really, um, I think it's hope for bands like this that we're seeing, you know, that are kind of you know slipping through the cracks and breaking up just because they can't make ends meet, they can't make any money off of it. I think it's it's the exact opposite of what Hammett said. I think things like iTunes and streaming and social networking are these bands' bread and butter. It's how they're going to get their name out there, how they get mm-hmm. discovered. You know, um, one of the comments, uh, I think I read this on Metal Injection, actually, uh, Hammett's quote. And then, of course, you know, I go down and I always enjoy reading the comments. It's always uh, um, sort of a fun endeavor to see what people say. But uh, somebody on there made a great point, and they said, you know, uh, a Facebook, social media, anything is the new word of mouth. Because, you know, basically anymore we have very little face-to-face uh, interaction with most people. You know, we're, we're all online. That's how we socialize now. And uh, that's the new word of mouth. And so, Nick, if, you, if you're playing something on Spotify, you know, I can see that come up on Facebook. And then, mm-hmm. you know, all of a sudden I see something, I'm like, oh, Nick... Nick's listening to this band I never heard of before. Okay, I'll check them out. I'll see what's going on. And I get on Spotify and I listen to them. And and then I'm listening to them. And of course, you know, people in my feed see that I just queued up that band in Spotify. So other people are going to be interested and check it out. And that's the beauty of this. And I've experienced the same thing as you have. I've uh, discovered so many bands on there. So many bands that have risen uh, as far as my favorite bands go. Um, mm-hmm. just by doing, uh, you know, either watching Facebook or going into the little discover thing and Spotify and just looking for new bands based off of what I've been listening to. Oh, um, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's great. So I think, man, there, there's been nothing better for quality, talented bands out there than iTunes and streaming and Spotify, everything like that. Oh, absolutely. Um, and Kirk, and, and it, Kirk is oh, one of sorry. these dinosaurs, you know, that I've just taken it back to what I was saying about dinosaurs, man. You know, it's... That's what Kirk is, and he's uh, he's just so you're you're right. He's out of touch. He's this old guy, and he's just it's like why do, why can't we still get all our royalties? And oh yeah, that's uh, what he was actually complaining about in yeah, that whole thing. Yeah, um, uh, that there's not enough royalties for bands when it's like I you know I could see that maybe hurting a smaller band, but a band like Metallica, dude, when <laughs> you're paying to play in Antarctica. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're going to Antarctica. Why are you complaining to me about music? You know? (laughs) Oh, my God, man. And, um, oh, and and, I mean, I guess we rag on Metallica a lot on this show now that I think about it. Uh, But they need it. Exactly. (laughs) Dude, um, I, I, I don't understand the mentality of people, you know, at that stage of their careers, not just not understanding it. Even like, um, you know, there's been so many successes, even of older bands, with younger people discovering their music through that. I mean, how how come there are so many younger people at all who even care about or know who Judas Priest are? You know what I mean? Right. It's because it's out there for them to watch over and over again on YouTube, you know? Yep. Oh, and I mean, I don't know. I, I think that it bums a lot of people out 
that there is never going to be a big band again. And I mean, I'm sure yeah. that that's not even true. There will be somebody someday. But I think it's actually better that like there's a million smaller bands, you know, whereas there used to be a hundred smaller bands. It gives a lot of opportunity to people who wouldn't have had that opportunity otherwise. Yeah, because back in the day, you know, when there were just a handful of really big bands and, and maybe even a handful of bands that you were aware of in your specific genre that you really, mm -hmm. really liked, um, you were always so excited. If you knew that they were going to release an album, like next month, man, this band has an album coming out. I can't wait. You know, that feeling, it was always so great, yet the anticipation. But mm -hmm. now that I have hundreds of bands out there that I'm listening to and interested in and really, really like, it's like there's that sort of never-ending sort of anticipation going on because everyone's releasing stuff constantly, it seems. So this band's putting something out, and this band, it, it's almost like, you know, every Tuesday, you know, there is something I'm looking forward to. You know, some band mm -hmm. is out there that I at least appreciate or, or you know, really like. Oh, yeah. That, uh, is putting stuff out. So there's yeah. so much that I've missed that I want to go exactly. back to. Exactly. Uh, e even bands I really like, like Nine Inch Nails, I haven't heard all of their new album yet, you know? Right. Um, and, and I mean, that's because I'm listening to so much other stuff that just happens to come up. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I can't imagine a better system for getting music, you know? And I mean, I, I understand that the big complaint is that, like, now you can't really be a rock star professionally unless you're on an upper level or really going to be very stingy with your money and tour for a living, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, dude, you get to be a rock star. You don't get to complain about it. I have to go and sit in a cubicle all day <laughs> and stare at a goddamn computer for my work. You you need to figure out how to deal with your problems. <laughs> you know, the biggest thing for me, um, you know, just looking at that lifestyle, um, is it's just the downtime, you know, and it's just getting on the bus and so many people, you know, even uh, I was reading an article with uh, an interview with Zach Wild, and uh, he was just saying how how just laborious and just it's such a drag being on that bus, you know, just going from city to city, um, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, of course, the whole time I'm talking about this, I'm thinking of the song Turn the Page, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. and everything, because I, I think that's that says it really well. But um, that would be that would be the biggest thing, because not only are you away from friends and family for a long time and, you know, you're just basically around your band and maybe some other bands for months at a time on the road. Um, but you have these long stretches of, you know, maybe a day, two days, three days or something of doing nothing but sitting on the tour bus and stopping getting something to eat maybe putting up with the occasional whatever and then you play a gig and then you get back on the bus for a long time and it's just like that would i i, I can see why so many of uh the you know musicians not just metal but a lot of musicians in general end up being alcoholics drug addicts um because what do you do with all this time but oh, just yeah. sit and wait, and uh, that that that's just got to be um, really, really bad. And again, like I said, just knowing in the back of your mind, you're sitting there for like days at a time on this bus, and your family is back home, and maybe the best you can do is like a phone call or maybe Skype or FaceTime or something, and that's the best you can do, and you, you're not going to see them for like another month, you know. And that's that's just got to be terrible, terrible. And then you have to get up on stage and play the whole rock star thing. 
mm-hmm. you know, the following day. And wow, wow, that's just putting yourself in those those shoes. That would just be really, really trying for you. And like I said, no, no wonder so many of them end up being, you know, drinking so much and doing so many drugs and crazy things. Because what else do you do? How else do you pass the time? Right. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I just don't know, though. I mean, I, I don't know that it was ever good that only like in the past, like, let's say a hundred bands would have gotten really big and had the best tour experience and the best life and all that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, cause I mean, what did that really breed? You know what I mean? Like when that happens, the music that gets the biggest is sort of the consensus. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like everybody looks at that as, well, this is what we find most agreeable between us. That's why it gets so big. Whereas now with all these bands being much smaller, you can be really into a band and not everybody else has to be really into that band, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it um, fights off the sort of mediocrity. That's why you see like in in mainstream rock a band like Nickelback being so big or a band like Godsmack being so big or Seether or Hinder or whoever, uh, Theory of a Dead Man, whatever. All those bands get big just because they're like this is the mediocrity that we all find tolerable. You know, yeah, this is what we all can agree on. Uh, It's very rare that you have like movements where. You know, like he did in the 90s where it was like everybody was like, oh, yeah, Alice in Chains is really good. You know, everybody was like, oh, Soundgarden is really good. Really? That's great. You know, Um, or like in the 70s where the same thing happened, it's more more likely to be like with, you know, if you look at different periods like the 60s and the 80s had like huge pop hits, you know, that were not actually good, like in an objective sense. Yeah. Um especially like 80s pop music. I mean, it is what it is, but people really, really love that stuff because it was the consensus. Yeah. And that's what a lot of it boils down to. You know, even even looking at the top acts on uh, big metal tours like Ozfest or um, uh, what was it uh, this past summer that uh, like Battlecross and a bunch of bands were on, um, uh, Mayhem, you mm-hmm. know, even, even those kind of things. The top headliners for those tours are uh, I mean they're placed there intentionally because they are money makers. They're the big drawer, you know. They're the big uh, crowd drawers there, and mm-hmm, everybody mm-hmm. else is just sort of there to just sort of fill out the bill, and and uh, they're not necessarily drawing in any sort of significant, uh, you know, amount of people. But you know, people like you know you you get Ozfest, so of course you get like Black Sabbath or Ozzy or whatever, and that name alone that's that's been a commercially viable name right there. People who are Aussie or Black Sabbath, and you're going to get a ton of people there. And then you've had people headlining there like Rob Zombie and Slayer and all the. And these are these are big commercially viable bands that have huge, huge fan bases, and none of them are extreme. Um, you know, they're all they're all pretty well within this this norm, uh, within the metal community of uh, where promoters and and everybody know that uh, these bands are going to draw in this much money. And these many people. And as long as we can do that, then we're just going to kind of fill things out. And these other little bands down here, they can uh, they can play and whatever, but they're not going to get anything out of this. Uh, they're just lucky to be here up along. Oh, exactly. <laughs> up alongside these mm-hmm. bands. Um, and that's how these big festivals work. Um, and uh, but again, that goes back to the music industry, um, you know, uh, whoring out the people who are in it. Like I, I they're. 
they're just like you're lucky to be here you know what i mean yeah uh it's such a such a strange dichotomy of actual lucky to be here like yes you shouldn't whine about being rich uh but those of you who aren't definitely have a right to whine about the other guys getting all your fucking money um because like yeah sure like people go to mayhem fest uh and a lot of the money goes to rob zombie a lot of the money goes to Megadeth, who's ever on uh, main stage, right? Mm-hmm. And um, there are a lot of other bands on that fucking show. And it's cool to like go one year and see this band on third stage or whatever, and they're awesome. And then the next year they're headlining. You're like, man, I remember when I first saw them. A band, like in my own personal experience, like Five Finger Death Punch. When I saw them on third stage, people were way fucking into them, uh, you know, not knowing who they were or anything. It was right. clear that they were like a big fucking deal. And um, then they became a bigger fucking deal. You know, bands like Kill Switch Engaged and Shadows Fall, I saw back in the day on at OzFest. Mm. You know, on like second and third stage. Right. And then they clearly caught on. And it's cool to say, yeah, I saw them back then. Uh, but really, what about all those other bands that I can't even remain, remember the names of, you know? Or, or the bands that I can remember the name of, but I'm the only one who's ever even heard of them, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it's a tough it's a tough business, this music thing, because uh, I don't know the, you know, like when people say, oh, Stairway to Heaven is the best song ever. I always say, like, dude, you've not heard every song in the world. <laughs> <laughs> the best song ever could have been written in some guy's basement and he just never got famous enough to play it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, one story I wanted to bring up here was the one I read on MetalInjection.net a website I might write for sometimes. Uh, But anyway, metalinjection.net, about the new metal band from the 90s, late 90s, uh, the pseudo-industrial wannabes, Orgy, (laughs) trying to mount their comeback. (laughs) This is hilarious, man. Oh, yeah, man. Back in the day, um, Orgy, for those of you who don't know, were a band who got big because they were on Korn's record label, when we talked in our corn episode, we forgot to talk that they had a rep- record label promoting orgy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, they um they got big because they were on Family Value Store, and they had, you know, songs that very much fit with the mood of the time. That sort of electronic infused heavy stuff mm-hmm. that wasn't that heavy, but was very marketable. I have their first two CDs. The first one was decent. The second one is really not that good at all. And they were like, yeah, we, t- we toured. And then, like, there's a video on their Kickstarter page, okay? They had a Kickstarter. No, Indiegogo. Excuse yeah. me. Their fundraiser was Indiegogo.com. Uh, and um, on it, they have a video up explaining what happened to the band, the history of the band, brought to you by Jay Gordon, the lead singer. And he's like, yes. And then in between the third album, second and third album, streaming and illegal downloads caught on, and we made less money on the third album. And it's like, dude, you made less money because you weren't it anymore. You weren't cool anymore. (laughs) It was over, dude. It's over. Accept it. And the video on their Indiegogo is cringeworthy. Okay, look it up. Orgy Indiegogo. Um, Dude, and they made out of their $100,000 goal only $8,739. I think this is fucking hilarious because, (laughs) dude – they seriously thought that anybody even really cared about orgy and that they would be willing to pay to hear new music from them. Like, dude, you want to get big, you want to do well, write the music and put it out there and let people come to you. 
You know? Yeah. If you build it, they will come, motherfucker. Don't go around fucking begging. Dude, they have a budget written up on the site, and it's an itemized list of the stuff that they need. And they come up at the end, the total production budget is $50,000 and 45 cents or some shit The rem- at, with an asterisk. And it's at the asterisk, it says the remainder of the money will go towards touring, music production, music video production, marketing, merch, and getting the new label off the ground. What? Like, dude, it doesn't cost $100,000 to make a shitty album anymore. <laughs> yeah. You do this in your free time. If you can't raise the money for it, guess what? It's a hobby. You know, we're having the Devil Horns podcast. We're not going to go out and have a fundraiser tomorrow that says $100,000 on it (laughs) uh, because we want to do it professionally. If we ever do it professionally, it's because we'd fucking earn it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Like, dude, when it's Uh, over, it's over. I wonder what his day job is. This guy or Jay Gordon from Orgy. Like, I've seen what does he do? <laughs> I've seen some photoshopped images out there that after uh, the failure of this campaign, he's going to be at uh, McDonald's. Yes. Actually, I don't know if you've seen that, but uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. Because uh, what, what a motherfucker, dude. Like, well, you know. the, big, big flaws in this whole campaign to begin with. Um, because Orgy, you know, a lot of bands have been really su- uh, successful in, uh, you know, Kickstarter and Indiegogo. Yeah, but with reasonable goals. Well, it's, you know, even big goals, but it is clear extra value to the people that are uh, contributing money to your campaign. You know, with (laughs) Orgy, the only thing that you were doing, if you were going to if you're going to send your money to Orgy, it was so that they could record the album so that they could get this label off the ground so that they could tour. So that so it was all about them and what it could what it could do for their career. Oh, yeah. Okay. Whereas other bands that have seen enormous success in this, they say, hey, this campaign is, uh, I forget what band just did this, but they're like, hey, we've already recorded our album, but if you give to our Indiegogo campaign, we're going to give you this whole brand new like multimedia experience with our album. And if you contribute, then you can be part of this and you're going to be getting all this really, really cool stuff from our album. And it was a whole experience, a whole extra experience mm-hmm. so much value oh yeah it's actually chimera doing. i think is what you're talking yeah, about yeah because on on their um indiegogo it's like you can pay extra to get um obviously the digital download download but then there's the fan edition of the cd dvd which you know they'll make i mean their album was coming out regardless uh, right. but it's also a limited edition signed vinyl if they make enough money to to pull this off you know yeah. uh exclusive t-shirt exclusive discs um you know crazy stuff and and I mean this is only under a hundred dollars. The mm-hmm. donations were were for, um, you know, we'll share your video on YouTube, and um, you know, when it goes up, the highest the highest that it had was two thousand dollars to appear in their music video. Okay, for for Orgy, their highest stuff was twenty thousand dollars to be the producer of the album. <laughs> Like wow. nobody wants that shit, dude. And like, obviously, like, go on, dude. One of them is a thousand dollars to go on a date with the band, Orgy. Like, what are you talking about? You know, uh, two thousand dollars, and we'll DJ your event. Um, Five thousand dollars, and you'll get a private show from us. But this does not include airfare. You know, like the stuff that people were clearly not going to fucking go for unless they were the biggest Orgy fan and had a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, the little stuff was like one dollar, and you get one song. You know, uh, five dollars, and you get the album. 
And that's what most people claimed was $5 towards the album. Because, dude, all that people want is the fucking... And it's not even an album. It's only an EP. Right. right. <laughs> so, I mean, that's all that fucking people want. Are you are you kidding me? Hmm. Oh. And, dude, like, seriously, their type of music has come and gone. <laughs> like, what are they going to put out that would even sound, like, modern enough unless they... like. Like that type of sort of, you know, electronic, uh, really uh, electronic, nearly dancey. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, industrial is gone, dude. It came and it went real fast because electronic music was like briefly in at the late 90s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it hit a peak with like Nine Inch Nails. And then, uh, yeah, of course, they were riding Korn's coattails there. Uh, mm-hmm. And really, they have no coattails to ride right now so they're really not going to go anywhere they they have a very niche audience which is fans from the 90s that just love them for some reason they're still hanging on to it right um so it's not accessible it's not something that's in right now so far from mainstream that a hundred thousand dollars just to do the album and to get some dumb label off the ground it's just like you got to be kidding me and there was it was it was such a self-serving campaign like literally, it was not about the fans. It wasn't about giving the people more of something and, and a lot of cool extras, and, mm-hmm. and and they weren't like really going out on a limb for anything here. It was right. just all about the band. And dude, you could totally see how it's just a holdover from him being from this old school of thought that like we're we're the artist, we're on the pedestal, you know, right. buying all the bullshit that the the record industries were selling him on, you know, mm-hmm. bring us back to glory. No, that's even no. what it says on their thing. It <laughs> yeah. says that they're they're back and ready to dominate once again. Yeah. What? Yeah. So put us back we, up on our pedestal where we deserve to be. Gonna, right. Uh, support them in their rise back up to the top. <laughs> Give me a break, dude. Like, at best, you're just going to be, like, maybe playing clubs. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, that cracks me up. And then uh, the aftermath of all of this, because it was huge news. Like, I think every metal site out there <laughs> reported on the failure of this campaign and really brought out the hilarity of what it was to begin with. And then orgy responded. Um, and, or they were, they were just pissed. They're like, Oh, there are so many haters out there. Everyone's a hater. And, and it, it's, you know, at least we, we have our fans that did support us, you know, and everything, but the, it's just the haters came out for this. And, and, uh, it was just hilarious. They ranted on Facebook about all right. of this, man. And and dude, the the last line of their Facebook post is, the record is coming along great and sounds awesome. Uh, hey, childish haters, get ready because the new music will speak for itself, no doubt. And it's like, dude, if you had the money to put out the album in the first place and the music sounds great, why are you trying to get more money from your fans? It doesn't really make much sense. You that's know? shady. Yeah, that's... Uh, dude it's like you are just a rich asshole who got rich off your one fucking song the money ran out and you're trying to write another fucking song it's sad it's sad and i feel bad for you because i i uh once enjoyed your music yeah and they could they they uh, could oh oh, i'm sorry i'm sorry oh no i was just gonna say i bet if i put it on now i'd be like yeah there was a time and place for this music (laughs) (laughs) yeah and they could have progressed i mean they could have grown they could have evolved their sound you know they could have uh you know i'm not saying you know change for the times or you know change who they are essentially just to please an audience but no but they i mean if he was going to remain relevant he had to do something and he clearly did not yeah 
I mean, they're a pop band to begin with. So I guess if you're a pop band to begin with, um, you know, and you're just enjoying the fruits of the trend at the time, then I guess it just makes sense to try to try to go with that flow of trends and uh, and everything. And they quickly became irrelevant. And now just bringing it back, I don't, you know, it's not even a nostalgia kind of thing anymore. It's a, they're trying to be a serious artistic sort of band or whatever and it just doesn't work anymore and yeah i mean that's that's sad so they're not going anywhere i'd I'd be surprised to even hear about the album when it comes out because it just seems like it's just uh it's going nowhere Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, no i mean i think it's a joke and uh you know i mean like you know i just Ah, I don't even know what to say about this sort of thing. Like, there are definitely two sides to this issue where it's like, uh, just like everything in in life, we find ourselves now looking at the 1% versus the 99%. Mm. These people are one percenters, Kirk and Orgy, people who've been to the top of the mountain and think, you know, that they should have even more of it. And meanwhile, everybody else is at the bottom of the mountain going, you know what? We were We worked really hard just to ride around in this van. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't seem right, but also, uh, you know, oh my God, it's never going to be a different way. Uh, you know, a, uh, it's never going to go back to the old way. It's only going to get better when the music industry itself, the, the prostitution machine goes away, which within our lifetime probably will be what happens. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, we're, we're seeing that change. I mean, it's already changed dramatically you know, in the mm-hmm. past, like, 10 years. But uh, I think it's it's inevitable, man. I think, you know, definitely by the time we're, we're probably pretty old, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll see, uh, we'll see a, a significant uh, change in the industry. Um, and, the, of course, like I said, the dinosaurs are going to start dying off, and I think a lot of younger people are, who understand where we are right now um, are going to be taking control. And they'll... Uh, I think, uh, you know, it's going to be there, but right now, I mean, there are going to be transitional pains, you know, these sort of, uh, sort of things that I think are necessary whenever such a huge machine, like, you know, big, big music from the Mm -hmm. eighties. Um, you know, when you see that, uh, you know, there's no more physical media. I mean, the only reason I buy CDs anymore is, uh, because it's sort of inconvenient in my car. Um, to like plug in my phone and everything with the charger and stuff, it's kind of a pain with all the cords. So it's it's actually a, a lot easier to put in a CD. But that's the only reason I'd buy anything physical. And um, you know, just going from that physical medium to uh, you know something that's virtual out there, uh, very easily copied and pirated and, and shuffled mm-hmm. around. You know, there's a, there's got to be a shift in paradigm, and uh, you got to realize it's happening. I mean, we were. I mean, Nick, I was I was dubbing cassettes in the 80s, you know, for my friends, you know, uh, Master of Puppets and Injustice for All. You know, I dubbed those off of my friends. If you had a stereo that had two decks on it, you know, you could easily do that. So, Absolutely. I mean, it, it's nothing new. Uh, we've all been doing it in one way or another for a long time. It's just yeah, uh, it's just more convenient now, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, but it will take innovation to rise to the top exactly. in any way. And I mean, that's just what you have to do if you want to get your music out there. Whether it be like, all right, you look at n- not a metal band, obviously, but a band like OK Go. 
they adapted to a meet new medium and became fucking superstars doing it. The, they're the band who had the, uh, I, I don't know. Well, I mean, at least I don't know if our listeners are even aware of them, <laughs> but they're the band who had that viral video of, uh, okay, go on treadmills. And it was their music video, but it was just them running around on treadmills doing funny shit. Oh yeah. They have a series of videos <laughs> where they do crazy shit and like build, giant warehouse size Rube Goldberg machines. Their videos have millions of views on YouTube because they adapted to the new medium. Uh, they are, you know, to YouTube, well, well, I mean, you know, YouTube to them is like what MTV used to be for other bands. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what you need to do is you need to look at the medium and adapt to it to sell your message. If you're selling it, if you're not selling it and you're just putting your music out there and hoping to get rich, it might not happen. So... That's where it is, man. Yeah, yeah. And I think as a band right now, I mean, uh, I don't think it's even really a reality to go out there and try to be a, a band that makes money with the goal of striking it rich and making a million bucks and, and just having the, the rock and roll lifestyle and hitting it easy, you know, just uh, having it all. Because I don't think that's realistic for 99.99999% of bands out there. It's just never going to happen. Uh, I think a lot of bands... Um, and I, I, I do see this out there. A lot of bands just want to be able to pay their bills, you know, just just live mm-hmm. off of this and maybe support a family, you know, and, and just be able to live and do this thing that they love and, and and be able to, you know, not have a second or third job or, you know, be losing money just to play a show. Um, right, right. You know, so I, I think that shifted a little bit where you, you, you just can't um, – shoot for that that top name you know big rock and roll sort of lifestyle thing you, you just gotta i think you almost have to shoot for uh, you know not shoot for mediocrity as far as artistic um intent goes and, and things like that but mediocrity as far as uh income goes and just being able to live off of a reasonable means from uh what you're making off of your music and touring <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, most people are going to have to even aim lower than that. They're going to have to, you know, look at it as this is something I do on nights and weekends, just like, uh, you know, so many other forms of entertainment, podcasting included. Uh That is, um, you just have to do what you fucking can to get around. Um, Man, I mean, what else can you say? Yeah. Uh, You know, and I mean, part of it is that the digital mediums do hurt in that way that things can't get big anymore but you know what a lot more people will hear your voice and your music because of it so give and take yeah yeah that's just it we're seeing such a huge swing in the industry and um i don't know from a fan standpoint nick i I think you'll agree man I, i think i'm better off for it just because i appreciate so much more music because of it i know so many more bands i've uh you know, I've hit up a lot more shows that I probably wouldn't have um, because I've discovered bands online and all of a sudden I hear they're coming to Pittsburgh or Cleveland or Buffalo or somewhere I can get to easily. And so I'll I'll go see them, you know, and it's it's a, a positive thing for me. But, uh, you know, just working this whole new paradigm into, uh, you know, being able to sustain bands and to keep them on the road and making money and that being a viable uh, sort of thing. Um, it's not something that uh, the industry is used to. 
uh, because it's uh, it's been a different thing for a lot of decades. And uh, mm-hmm. so right now, I, I think we're just experiencing the pains of growth and and change. And overall, I think uh, the people who are supposed to benefit most, which are the fans, uh, will. And um, it's just it's really tough now for bands, though, uh, which is sad. You know, the people who are working hardest, you know, because you, you look at promoters, you look at, uh, you know, tech, roadies, you know, sound people and everything. Um, you know, everyone whose work goes into the overall production of the music. Who works the hardest and who sacrifices the most for that? It's the band members themselves. Uh, they they hold the most talent. Uh, they, they practice countless hours, um, you know, apart from actually playing live you know there's uh it's exponential how much time they spend uh just practicing and 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 jamming and things uh compared to actually just playing you know doing their shows um and it's sad that at the end of the day um that uh you know just going back to what i was talking about with you know a lot of these metal bands just dropping off because they can't get paid on these festivals and stuff at the end of the day who is making money? Who is who is actually getting a paycheck at the end of the day when like Ozfest uh, happens? You know, the sound guy he gets a nice paycheck. You know, the roadies all get paid, the managers mm-hmm. get paid, the promoters get paid. Everyone gets a nice paycheck, but who does not see any money and who's actually losing money? It's the people that the fans came there to see in the first place, um, the most hardworking people that are there, which are the band members, um, which is a sad thing. And it's, uh, you know, something that just sort of angers me, you know, pisses me off, <laughs> you know, it's, it's oh, not yeah. right. It's not right. And that's just a sad reality. And I think, uh, you know, things will naturally shift, but, uh, wow. Wow. We'll see. I mean, like yeah. I said, it's going to be, um, really a matter of uh innovation mm-hmm. first and foremost that's pretty much all that i have to say about that yeah yeah oh man well uh, anything else uh news wise you have to bring up you know I, I pretty much uh my tank is empty here as far as uh you know coming up because i was just ranting about this whole industry thing and get me started on the music industry and how bands get screwed and i'll i'll sit here all night and talk about it but um <laughs> Anything else uh, you saw well, coming up in the old news feed? That, uh... um, one thing that uh, I guess that this isn't really news, but it's one metal thing that I encountered this past week was uh, Death Clock, Death Clock's rock opera, the yes. uh, Doomstar Requiem, which I understand you have not seen yet, but not it yet. was fucking wonderful. <laughs> it, the whole episode was like an hour long rock opera. Um and it was just great. There was it bounced back and forth between having uh, symphonic metal songs and um, sort of like weird songs that parodied other rock operas and stuff like awesome. um, that, yeah, that were almost kind of very poppy and otherwise just wonderful, wonderful Death Clock. And it was funny, and it was great. And I, I, how are you caught up on Metalocalypse? Uh, I won't give away any spoilers for the people not listening, but just um, how, how far into Metalocalypse are you? Oh, I'm I'm years behind. Actually. That's okay. Um, I've only seen through, uh, you know, of course, you know, random stuff on YouTube and whatever. You know, I just pull mm-hmm. up every once in a while. But I know I've watched through, uh, you know, the first uh, I think four seasons, something like that. 
Yeah, this is technically the start of the fifth season, oh, which probably oh, I'm won't... not that far behind. Then. No, it, it probably won't really start until like next year. Um, but uh, even though you're years behind, Adult Swim, man, all their shows they release like <laughs> one season every two years. Yeah. Uh, Metal Octopus has almost been on for eight years, and they're only up to their fifth season. Maybe that's why and... I felt so far behind because there's us on that crazy schedule. But dude, what's great about the show is that yes, it's funny. Um, but the metal is fucking awesome. Yeah. Brendan Smalls, I swear by the motherfucker, because he's got both Death Clock and Galactron, uh, his um clean vocals band, and they are both awesome. And um you know, I guess I should explain Metal Apocalypse a little and Death Clock for the people who are listening who are like, What are they talking about? <laughs> okay, Adult Swim has this cartoon that is a um it, it is it follows a band who are the biggest band in the world, a hundred times more bigger than the Beatles. Okay. More bigger, I said. Um <laughs> but they um they they they're like so famous and so rich that they're like the world's fifth greatest economy. Okay. And um the most of the show is a parody of either metal or bands or whatever, but there is actual music being played by uh, you know, actual artists and it's fucking unbelievable. It's awesome. Yeah. Google it. If you somehow have avoided Death Clock for the past eight years, go Google Death Clock. But I think their album's on Spotify, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, one of them is. I don't know if they all are, but it, look it up. YouTube it. Um, the great thing about the show is that occasionally it has these wonderful actual metal moments, especially in this rock opera special where, you know, individual frames of animation could look like an album cover. You know, yes, it looks wonderful, dude. Um, and I and I mean, yeah, a lot of it uh, takes inspiration from metal artwork and stuff. Um while parodying it throughout and it's wonderful <laughs> and also like if you've watched like a couple of seasons of it you start to realize that there is this whole story you know being told in the background about the history of death clock and like what the metalocalypse actually might be you know right and it actually gets to be uh pretty pretty entertaining and and worthwhile for the people who hold on and I really, really love that. I might even go and watch the special again. I recommend it to anybody. I think it was great. Um, if you've been watching Death Clock, get a hold of the special. It's probably on demand now. Um, and I can't wait for the actual fifth season to get here. But Lord knows I might have to wait till like next November. <laughs> yeah, who knows? It's brilliant, man. I love it. Uh, wow. I just laugh my ass off. Oh, yeah. And it was funny, too. I always worry like when they're going to have more death clock that i'm like oh this is probably where it's going to peter out because a lot of the adult swim shows over yeah. time they get worse and worse like uh even robot chicken like the joke kind of got old after a while yeah, but space Metalocalypse... Ghost, it was you know kind of got old after a while mm -hmm. for me you know yeah yeah and you know um the, this one, though, I, I think that there's so much stuff for metal fans to actually enjoy, like different cameos, uh, voice cameos from, uh, <laughs> I, you know, like they'll have like James Hetfield and Kirk Hammett yeah. do voices, but it will be like the guys at the concert going like Death Clock sucks in the exactly. background. Exactly. And um, Corpse Grinder has done a lot of voices. Um, yeah. And uh, King, King Diamond once played the jazz devil. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> and there's been a few others and it's just great oh yeah and uh they've supposedly um you know modeled the death clock members after uh you know certain uh metal <laughs> icons that are out there um, you know you brought up corpse grinder 
um, which is arguably the lead singer from Death Clock. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Uh, it's an explosion. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then uh, who is... I, I'm, I'm terrible with names except for... Um, um, well, I'm terrible with names because I'm I'm trying to think of one now that I'm not terrible with, but I can't even come with, come up with that. But uh, the the uh, the Scullet, um, the uh, the Scullet guy who is uh, supposedly the uh, uh, Devin Townsend um, inspired uh, one. Who's who's the one with the dread Scullet? Oh, that's um, Pickles. Pickles, yeah, Pickles is supposedly uh, you know based on Devin Townsend. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know from Toki is uh, Toki's based on uh, one of the guys from Opeth. Because yeah. he has that uh, weird right, right. Yeah, mustache. The, yeah. And, it's um, like a Fu Manchu, but missing the Hitler part. I forget who Murderface was. Murderface was... Um, oh, there was something. There, were, there was something I read online. They sort of, you know, uh, put everyone, you know, in uh, up against uh, who they were uh, supposedly based off of. Uh, right. They were metal icons. I, was, I know I read hilarious. the same thing, and I just can't find it. Yeah, um, yeah right now but yeah um i mean I there's it. a lot of like little parodies even like the music industry stuff that we're talking about right <laughs> um because they're the biggest band in the world so when people are pirating them they send people to go kill them you know yeah. <laughs> and um wonderful uh, stuff and they're like yes all the money should be ours you know wonderful fucking shit that you absolutely should see as a metal fan yeah and um you know just uh going back to this whole metallica thing um, with them playing in Antarctica, as soon as I heard that they were even considering that this was still a rumor that they were going to do this Antarctica thing, I'm like, Metallica has this whole like death clock complex. Oh, absolutely, going dude. On. Uh, we should we should fill people in. Yeah, Metallica announced. Um, they had a big announcement coming up. They announced that they were going to have an announcement. That's how <laughs> fucking lame they are. And then the announcement finally came out, and it was Metallica will be playing in Antarctica. And that's like a true story, a real thing. And it's only funny because like Death Clock do that type of thing in the show where they're like, we're going to go. We wrote this album for for the creatures of the sea. So we're going to go and play this album out in the ocean, you know. And I mean, that is exactly (laughs) fucking crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And people are eating it up so far, you know, as far as I can tell. And it's a. this big ticket thing, but man, I, first thing I thought I was Death Clock. As soon as I heard that, it was uh, just hey, hilarious. Me too, dude. Absolutely. <laughs> oh man. Uh, oh. Well, I gotta watch. Uh, I gotta watch the uh, the the um, uh, Metal Opera episode of that. Uh, you know, <laughs> yes. I've been seeing that. The Doomstar uh, Requiem yes. is the name of the episode. Oh. Uh, did you have any other news, like actual news, like Metallica playing in Antarctica for the fishes news? Oh, my God. Well, the only thing, you know, now that we're talking about Metallica, I mean, what the hell? Uh, this was uh, this is a little bit older now, going back maybe a few weeks. But, uh, you know, Lars, <laughs> Lars uh, said something uh, to the effect where he would just love it if Metallica could tour with uh, U2 and Green Day. Yep. I read that. And uh, I and yeah, yeah. <laughs> Enough said. Uh that's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I understand what he's saying that like, you know, they're on that same level. And I can I can see that, but I can't imagine that the fans at these shows would all be going to see any of those same bands. You know what I mean? 
That was like when I, Primus uh, opened for the Rolling Stones. <laughs> like, I think wow. the Stones were doing uh, their Voodoo Lounge tour in the middle of the 90s. And Primus was huge mm-hmm. uh, in the mid-90s. And so Stones are just looking for these big up-and-coming bands that are huge at the time. And so who do they pick but Primus to open for them? And Primus was booed off the stage. You know, and it's just like it, that it just has the same sort of tone to me as, you know, Metallica. I mean, you're, you're supposed to be Metallica. And that's that's just what really irks me about Metallica. It's like you're supposed to be Metallica. I mean, you're you're supposed to be just bad. You're supposed to be rebellious. You're supposed to be this band that my parents hate and I'm not supposed to be listening to and just so so out there. But. You know, they're they're just not anymore. And even Green Day pisses me off because I know what they once were. I mean, back early nineties, Green Day, even before Dookie when they exploded, you know, and they're sort of I mean, they they had some heavier songs. They're more of sort of a, a post punk kind of kind of band and very accessible. But, you know, I, I was into them way, way back in the day, and they how they've evolved, man, has really, really pissed me off. And um Well, they uh, just became like they're they're clearly here for the dollar yeah. um at this point and like obviously like they came up with like Amer- the american idiot sound and like they've tried to just like then now they're just going back to that well over and over again with every song that they put out thereafter i mean you know i guess we don't have to discuss them very much uh, yeah. <laughs> because they're very not metal no. but i i mean at the same time yeah it, it's not really that much different than what you two or metallica pretty much does they go for image they go for sales and and money it's not art anymore Ugh, makes me feel bad to have to say that it makes me feel like a a real hater (laughs) but it's true it's just too much of uh, everything i don't like about music (laughs) yeah Oh, and I mean, those tickets, if they ever did tour those three bands, those tickets would be like $200 for the nosebleeds. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Oh. Oh. And I would hate the crowd. I would hate the crowd because it's not like you're getting a lot of Metallica metalhead kind of things. You're getting Mm -hmm. the cross spectrum. You're getting, you know, know, 40-somethings at that point that were really into U2. (laughs) Drinking their Corona. Uh, Yeah. Lime in it. Yeah, yeah, and wearing the Jimmy Buffett shirts and everything, and uh, yeah, it's just not not my scene, man. It's it's just not something I'd ever be interested in uh, going to see, which is a shame because, I mean, I I would sort of if it was convenient to me right now, like I would go see Metallica. I think I would if it wasn't too expensive and it was not too far of a drive. I think I'd go see Metallica play. If just not too to expensive say, is going to well, be hard. Well, that, that's <laughs> that's right there. Why why I'm never going to see them probably. Oh yeah. Um, but I mean, I probably would just because it's uh, I've never seen them, and it's sort of on you know, it's one of those things to say you know I, I've seen Metallica. You know, I'm a metal fan. I've seen Metallica. Um, but yeah, it's uh yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm never going to see Metallica <laughs> unless they do something great that is worth money. Maybe they'll have a change of heart and just say, we're actually going to do something for the fans. Nah. 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 Dude, they're so out of touch. 
Um, it's not even funny. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel bad because I'm sure that there are a lot of people who really love Metallica, and we just shat on them like six times this we're episode. We're not but... alone, dude. We're not alone because I see this. <laughs> I see this all over the place online. So like, I'm uh, I'm not really uh, not really scared of offending too many people. Mm-hmm. Too many. Um, but uh, I'm I you know. I'm not even going to bring up the whole Justin Bieber thing that uh, that was another uh, sort of uh, Metallica. <laughs> you just did bring it up. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to elaborate on it, but it is out there. Justin Bieber and Metallica are now officially linked. Um, and don't even get me started on Lou Reed. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh. R.I.P. I love Lou Reed, and I, I love him as an artist. And uh, they, Their really music sad. did did not go well together. <laughs> well, Kirk Hammett said it's the best album that Metallica has ever recorded. Yes, exactly. Dude, yeah. what? Hmm. What? Dude, you never would have been playing with Lou Reed if you didn't write all that other shit first. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, but that was a sad passing here uh, just recently. And uh, it's sad to see such a talented artist go. And uh, it is sad to know that some of the last things that he recorded was with Metallica. So, <sighs> so wow. wow. I guess the, is that it for this week? <laughs> I think every show leads back to Metallica. Oh, man. <laughs> it's where we started. Well, yeah, it is. It is. So we came full circle, and um, I hope we didn't uh, lose too many listeners. Um, but it's been fun. Nick, thank you for jumping on here tonight and just uh, really... Uh, neither of us really knew what was in store, but uh, we knew we were going to just have a good time talking, and hopefully the listeners out there uh, benefited in some regard um, to uh, what we said. So it's been fun, brother. Yeah, no, I love doing this, dude. So I just said, yeah, no. I don't know <laughs> what that means. But yeah, <laughs> dude, we uh, need we need to do this more, and please Send us feedback. If you like what we're doing, tell us. Tell us on Twitter, at DevilHornsCast. Comment on our, li- our link to this um, episode on DevilHorns.org. Tell us on Facebook. What bands do you want to hear us talk about? What shit do you want us to talk about? What do you want us to do? Yes. Otherwise, you are at our mercy, and we'll just keep coming up with uh, <laughs> what we want to talk about and it's often great nick i know i love just like going outside of what i know and outside of my comfort zone and listening to things that i might not have otherwise you know like the do episode coming up you know i'm not (laughs) i'm not gonna necessarily go out of my way to listen to do um or heaven and hell or rainbow or anything like that um and uh, just knowing that that episode's coming up and i need to prepare I'm listening to a whole bunch of it more now, and I'm trying to figure it out and then <laughs> whatever. But it's that kind of thing that I love. You know, I just love being challenged with things that I'm like, eh, I I don't know about this, but I'm going to do a podcast about it. So I'm going to listen to it and see what's up with it. And oh, yeah. It's often very beneficial. And I'm just I'm a fuller person knowing about it and talking about it. So we need that. So that's uh, very important. Absolutely. Right. I can't wait to do more. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we need to hear from all of you. And, uh, you know, please uh, hook up with us uh, through the website or iTunes or wherever you feel comfortable. But uh, everything you can find on devilhorns.org. 
So, it's been another great episode. Next time, we will definitely be talking about Dio. We're going to have Mike Zombie back with us. And I hope he's doing well out there um, in uh, the, the weird, weird state of California. And uh, who knows how he's been swallowed up uh, by that whole, uh, whole thing going on out there. But hopefully he's going to be with us next time. So, thank you all for listening. And we'll be back again soon. You've been listening to Devil Horns. Join us at devilhorns.org. Yeah. <laughs>